So I think I just took everything really personally and didn't feel strong enough kind of internally, which is probably why I do the work I do now, which is Mm. that I feel my success is inside out. So I need to be in alignment internally and so strong that, that external success is all that can happen. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Brie Noble. Brie is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Brie's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Brie is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, what's going on? This is Bree Noble, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. Well, if you've been around the world of female entrepreneur musician over the last month, you know it's been all about the Profitable Musician Summit. It's been a little bit crazy and a little bit and a lot amazing. So it's been a fantastic project for me to put on. I know it's been helpful to so many of you, and I'm excited about the possibilities of doing something like this again. But for now, I want to give you an interview that's completely different, something that is not about making money. I mean, it's it's tangentially related, of course, as everything is on this show, but it is more about our mindset and how to get grounded as an artist, and how to heal ourselves so we can be better musicians. And this is an interview that I did before the summit started with my friend and founding member of the Female Musician Academy, Alicia Mathewson. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, but before that, I want to give you a word from our sponsor for this episode, Muddy Paw PR. This episode of the Female Entrepreneur Musician is brought to you in part by Muddy Paw PR. Through their highly personalized public relations campaigns for DIY artists, they've secured placements on alternative press, substream, new noise, and more. With their artists going on to play festivals like Warped Tour, So What, and gain licensing deals and regular rotation in stores like Starbucks and Hollister. Find out more at MuddyPawPR.com. So here's some information about my guest today, Alicia Mathewson. Alicia Mathewson has been writing and singing songs since the age of six. She has used the transformative power of music and song to awaken herself and all that will listen. She has released four albums and served over 300 clients through her private energy and sound therapy practice, Sounding Still Wellness. Here's my interview with Alicia Mathewson. That's a little bit about Alicia Mathewson. So Alicia, is there anything about you that's maybe a little bit different, unique, quirky that our listeners should know that isn't in your bio? Oh gosh, so much. Um, I think one of the things that's really interesting for me right now in my work is that I'm really interested in the whole idea of, of vibration. So I operate kind of on a belief system that we're all made up of vibration. And I think this is the reason why so many of us listen to music and why songs have such this powerful presence in our lives. And so right now I feel like I'm about to make a shift where 
I'm working, I'm just starting work on an album and I'm interested in this idea of vibration and like when we record a record or we're in a certain room, how does the way we share our music, how is it influenced not just by what our intention is, but by the environment that we're in? And so um, that's hard to put in a bio, but that's what I'm always interested in is what's the vibration of a room? What's the vibration of the people? How is the unique vibration I offer relating to what is actually happening in the moment. Mm, that is really interesting. And I know we'll get into more of that later when we talk about uh, mindfulness and things like that, um, <clears throat> that are, you know, kind of set you apart, I think, in comparison to a lot of the guests that I've had. So definitely get into that stuff. But let's start off with finding out how you got started in music. Well, I grew up in uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and my mom took me to an ORF class. I don't know if anyone knows what ORF is, but it's this kind of cool early childhood way of learning music, uh, actually started by Carl ORF, who's a composer. And, I wondered um, that if it was, it was yeah, really Carl ORF. It is, and he developed this way of teaching music because he noticed like uh, symphonic people that were learning music, they weren't in their body. They weren't embodying it. It was becoming too heady. So he, it's, it's connected to to Dal Crow's Eurythmics, if you've ever heard of that. So it's a way of learning music that is embodied. And so I, of course, loved this class. I was like three years old. And um, the teacher, Miss Winget, just sort of took my mother aside and said, you know, she's got it, whatever that is, right? I don't know what she saw. And so I started playing violin when I was about three and a half. Um, and then that was kind of that side of music. And then when I was 10, I begged my mother to buy me an electric guitar. This was the eighties. <laughs> Thank God she did. Um, and I really actually started writing songs when I was about eight, like in my journal, it was kind of a way that I processed my life. And, um, I grew up in a family of two older brothers and a younger sister. So I think in a way I was always vying to have my voice heard, right? Like many of us performers. (laughs) So I decided, okay, well, I'll just start sharing it. Um, I didn't really start sharing it though until my early 20s. It was was very much a private thing, the songwriting piece. But music was always there from the very beginning. Um, No matter what I've done in my life, music has always been an element of it. Mm, I think we can, most of us can really identify with that. So what what made you kind of step over that line and put yourself out there as a singer-songwriter? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think, you know, if I'm really honest, and this is a little bit about what we're going to talk about today is like, what are our motivations and how do we know what our motivations are? Um, I think my initial motivation was like, I need to be heard. Like, Mm. I, I am seeing things in my world. I am feeling things in my body and I need to share them. And if I don't share them, like I won't be okay. You know, <laughs> I think there was a real, you know, a real piece to that. And then you share a song with somebody or you share your musical um, vibration and you watch them transform or they have an experience. And then you're like, whoa that's really cool. That's not something everybody does. Like, Mm. I think this might be a unique way in which I operate in the world. And, you know, how do you do that? How do you make that your life? You know? That's really cool. And 
I mean, to be that aware in your 20s, I have to say, I mean, most of the 20-year-olds that I know or people in their 20s aren't quite that aware of their place in the world. But um, so what, where were you career-wise? Like, what did you end up doing with your career and how did the music fit into that? Well, that's great. So fun. I appreciate you calling me aware in my 20s. I was aware of some things. <laughs> I, was still, I was still raised in a family where I kind of took on a lot of belief systems that like, you know, that, that archetype, oh, the starving artist. Mm. So I had a lot of belief systems that like, I wasn't going to be able to make a living as an artist. It was going to be a struggle, right? So it's taken me a long time to let that go to say, wait, no, I can be an artist and I can be fully abundant. I don't have to struggle. I can, you know, I can figure that out. Um, many of my songs though were really, I would say personal and vulnerable and I was speaking truth. And so it wasn't always, you know, it wasn't always easy to put yourself out there and then feel like you didn't have success. Early on, I went to college in Middlebury, Vermont, and I played at a coffee house. And I remember that. That was a big moment. I played publicly. And I don't know if you know Dar Williams. Oh, yeah. I love Dar she, she was just at the beginning of her career. And um, so she had a gig. And so I played before her. And she's just a lovely person. And, um, and it was like a huge deal for me. But I got to do that like in the college setting, which was, was very helpful for me. Um, but at the same time, I was like always looking for like, oh, well, but I'm going to have to have a second job. Like I wasn't the person who was like, make it or break it. I'm going to LA or I'm going to New York. Like I didn't have that particular drive in me for whatever reason. Um, and so my journey has been a lot more windy, kind of finding who I truly am and how to offer that in a way that is financially abundant for me and works with my values, you know, because the music industry can be tricky around feeling like you're in integrity with your values. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, that's kind of an understatement even because there's so <laughs> many experiences that I've heard and, and I've had people talk about on this show where they've been asked to compromise their values and a yeah. lot of no, and, and those that did regretted it and, you know, had to revamp later. So, you know, we have a lot of, struggling musicians listening to this show. They're trying to get their career off the ground. Yeah. And you, you have, you know, kind of a, a long a longevity to your career so far with ups and downs. So did you have a point where you were like, this is just not working. I just feel like maybe I should quit. This isn't for me. I'm hitting a wall. And how did you push through that? Yeah, absolutely. I will say that there's a part of me and like, I, I would say like it has just recently left me where I was constantly comparing myself to everybody mm. else around me and feeling like, you know, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And if I'm not where I'm supposed to be, then, then this must not be the path for me. Um, and what I'm learning is that you, you are the path. Like you have the vision. If you, if, if a song comes through you that is powerful and true, the only person that's keeping it from getting out into the world is you. If you're willing to like step up and do what it takes, right? I think a lot of us sit back, or at least I'll talk for myself. I sat back and waited for other people to like, I don't even know what I was waiting for. <laughs> you know, it was just so overwhelming to me. I think I didn't know how to get out there. And I was trying to play this game. And 
I think this is why it's so wonderful what you're doing, Bree, is because you're, you're giving practical steps for people to take action in their own life towards specific goals. Yeah, know? I have to say you hit on my mantra there, which was like, don't wait around for other people to come discover you. And I think I was doing the same thing when I first started because I didn't know how to start. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but what's interesting, I'll share this. I think this might be helpful. So I feel like my career has had like two phases. So I graduated high uh, college you know, my parents, God bless them, paid for an education from Middlebury College. And I announced to them, I'm going to be a folk singer. Mm. And they're like, okay, great. So I started to do the like coffee house singer songwriter thing. I was trying to do that. I made an actual cassette. I mean, that's how old I am. <laughs> and I drove around in New England going to coffee houses. And, and you still back then, there were still like record labels, you know, right. <laughs> there's no really record labels now. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even try to deal with that. Right. But you were trying to get the, the folk DJs and the folk coffeehouse people to see you as the next big thing, you know. But that was my focus. Instead of just doing my thing and, and taking it step by step and sharing my music, it's almost like my focus was more on like, oh, if people notice me, then I'll, I'll succeed, right? Which to me is incorrect. I think the focus should be what am I doing that is so valuable that I offer it? And, and how do I value it? And, and what do I expect to get paid? And what do I expect to happen when I'm there? And, and if I'm making choices to maybe play somewhere for less money or why am I doing that? Like, how is that serving me? And I think that really just comes from confidence. So after a while of doing that, not really... I also had a hard time taking criticism back then. And if, mm. if you can't take criticism, you, you suffer because the feedback you get is going to help you, you know? So I think I just took everything really personally and didn't feel strong enough kind of internally, which is probably why I do the work I do now, which is mm. that I feel my success is inside out. So I need to be in alignment internally and so strong that that external success is all that can happen. Mm. Now, now other people, it may be the other way around. Like, you know, I, you know, it's almost like I think of like Olympic athletes, you know, like the discipline it takes to be an Olympic athlete, right? That would not be my path. Mm. (laughs) However, the, the kind of wise sage, the wise woman who has experienced it all and can hold a consciousness in any moment, that's more my path. So it's like knowing who you are. How do you, how do you trust that you're, you will be shown who you are? Um, I think I got totally off topic of that question, but um, what I was going to is that the second part of my career. So after kind of giving it up and I, I moved to New York city and I actually pursued writing musical theater, which was a, huge dream of mine. And I wrote and produced my own musical off Broadway. So I kind of strayed from just being a singer songwriter. Like that wasn't enough for me. I wanted the whole Broadway musical. (laughs) And I'll never forget. I was with Katie Curtis. I don't know if you know Katie Curtis, um, but I knew her in the Boston scene as well. And I remember her saying, and I would look at her career and be like, why can't I have that career? Like everybody loves her. She travels around, you know? And I remember telling her about my musical and she said to me, God, you're, you're so courageous. You do so many different things. And I thought, oh, oh, 
oh, right, maybe I'm just me. I, I don't need to try to be like anybody else. I can mm-hmm. follow where my inner guidance, my inner artist is asking me to go. Maybe it's not about trying to fit into all these other ideas of how to be. Oh, that's, yeah, that is so good and, and so profound because it turns out she was like envying you because you were putting yourself out there in different ways that maybe, you know, she wasn't ready to do or she didn't feel comfortable to or she didn't have that skill. So you never know who's looking at us in that way as we're, you know, looking at other people. Right. And it's also, it's again, it's also what I love about the, how I feel the consciousness of your work, Brie, is, is moving out of this competition base. And mm. it's like, cooperation, not competition. So, you know, they always say like, if you're a songwriter or you're a musician, if you want to succeed, like find a community, you know, be a part of a group of people who are also doing it. Um, And I think I could never really find my group, which was hard. So it, it made me feel a little isolated, but like, here I am now connecting in with your vibration and I think we're really in a new time, like with technology, with new, there's so new, everything's new, right? And so mm. to me, it's like, stay open. I mean, if I was going to say anything to any artist, no matter where they are in their career or what their age is, stay open. If you feel like you're starting to shut down in any way, really look at the choices you're making. Because I had periods of my life where I was very shut down. And it's normal as a human, you know, you go into fear or you're hurt or whatever, but the most successful and exciting creative and artistic experience I've, I've had is when I've been able to stay open, you know, whether it's to a new producer or a new musician or a new venue or a new scary risk. Um, And if you're in a period or you're in a phase of your career where you're not open, you know, don't worry about it. Just rest for a year, you know, like just take a nap. (laughs) You know, I think there's so much pressure that like, if you're not doing the next thing, you, you know, what are you doing? You know, so sometimes you have to just rest. Yeah, I I think that's true. And, you know, that segues really well into the next thing I wanted to talk about because, you know, you are very focused on, mindfulness. And I know I've heard you talk about meditation. And I think it's, it's something that's come up a lot more recently in like the entrepreneurial world. You know, I listen to podcasts about that, especially because I know that that's not necessarily my strength and a way that I think that I could improve personally, because I'm a very practical, you know, it's my Swedish and German background, you know, very practical and um, everything, you know, I want it all laid out for me. And, you know, I, I have definitely decided over the last few years that being more mindful, being more, um, just paying attention to the mindset that we approach things with, that is going to be really that secret sauce, I think, that, that makes all the practical stuff work. So do you have you know, some advice on mindfulness, maybe explaining a little about what that is and how we can use meditation to achieve that? Absolutely. You know, mindfulness is very much a buzzword now in a lot of, in a lot of areas. And the number one thing is really, it's about breath. Mm. So, you know, if you're a singer, my feeling is you're already ahead of the game because you have a relationship with your breath. If you're a singer, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But 
I mean, there's many, many techniques out there. You know, if, if, if someone's listening to this and they just are like, where should I start? I mean, some things I would recommend, um, I don't know if, if anyone has ever heard of Deepak Chopra, but he has many free um, guided meditations. He's done a bunch of them with Oprah. I mean, who doesn't love Oprah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he has, you know, they're called different things. And, and he does these 21-day meditation challenges. And those are a great way to start. Um, and, and, and not unlike what you said, it's very practical. It could just be like a 21-day commitment that you do. They're 15 minutes long and you just make 15 minutes. You know, typically it's best to do in the morning. You know, you're kind of setting your day. But I would imagine, Brie, you probably have rituals in your life that help you be mindful. You probably have certain routines or things that you do that help keep you focused and present. Um, Because I don't think you could be doing what you're doing if you didn't. So mindfulness can be a walk outside, you know, getting away from your computer and just feeling the earth beneath your feet. Yeah, I think that's really mine because I live in the woods. So when I go out and walk in the woods and look at the lake and all that stuff, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not about like sitting like a yogi in a pretzel, you know. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it can be, but that it doesn't have to be that. But when you take the mindfulness to a deeper level and meditation, it gets back to what we were talking about before, which is intention and motivation. So if you think about it from like a psychological, scientific perspective, we, we have kind of three parts of our consciousness. We have a, an unconscious, a conscious, and a super conscious, right? So if you think about these, like, let's just say we have these three parts of our consciousness. So, you know, like a lot of us, almost all of us are 90% unconscious. Like you think about when you drive your car you're not thinking about driving your car, right? You're just driving your car. Like, you know, you're on the highway and all of a sudden you've gone by six exits and you don't remember going by those six exits, but you haven't crashed your car. Mm. So that's like a good example of being unconscious. Like we can unconsciously do that. Where It's what you would call like unconsciously competent. You don't have to think about driving your car, you're driving your car. Now there's other habits in our life that might be unconscious that aren't serving us right? So if we don't take the time to be still and allow our unconscious to become conscious, we may keep playing out the same patterns over and over and over again in our life in a way that is frustrating. So I could like sign up to, to, to do like a six-week coaching series with you and still not make any progress, not because that you're not offering me tools, but because I have some unconscious thing that's blocking me, right? And so what I see is people spending a lot of money, a lot of time looking outside their self for solutions, right? But what they're most scared about is going inside and saying, you know, who am I and what is going on in my life that's keeping me from accomplishing that which I feel I'm here to accomplish? Mm. Yeah, I think that's true. And I've seen that in some people that I've worked with at some points where I know they're, they're totally capable of achieving what I'm asking them to do, but they're not doing it for some reason. And correct. You know, correct. it's frustrating for the coach cause we don't, we don't know what it is and I am not a mindfulness coach. So I'm not right. gonna sit there and try to figure it out. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of on them to figure it out, but you know, how do they, 
how do they do that? Yeah, that's such a good question. <clears throat> so you can, you know, there's a lot of like, I would, I would invite people to like, look for a, a mindfulness class or, you know, a lot of people do yoga. Yoga is a physical practice, but you don't have to do physical yoga to begin a consciousness or meditation practice. Um, I study with a teacher who's based in Ireland. Um, that's where I just was, as you know, on retreat. His name is Derek O'Neill, and he has a whole series of little books that you can like buy on Amazon. I mean, he has a little book. I love them because they're literally little. Like you can mm. just carry them around, but you could read like one sentence and it, and it, it, you know, gives you a lot of energy. He has a little book called Mindfulness, which I think is a great starting point if you're like a book person, you know. Um, <clears throat> there's a ton of guided meditations for free on YouTube. I mean, like the internet is just filled with stuff. Uh and, you know, I've been doing this now for over 10 years, kind of consciously meditating. And, you know, where did my interest come from that? Well, I was kind of a strange child. I always felt this kind of spiritual connection. Like, I, I'll tell you a funny story. I grew up Catholic, you know, Irish Catholic in America. And I used to give my sister like, M&M communion in the bathroom, like when I was little, like I felt like I was supposed to be a priest. Like that was the beginning of my journey as a human. I felt like I was supposed to work for God. Um, and you know, that's a whole other story. So, but I think my kind of spiritual seeking, um, led me to, uh, to want to know more about meditation. Um, what's wonderful now is that it's not, it doesn't have to be uh, religious. It's more a science. You know, I mean, they're teaching meditation in all the business schools mm. across this country because the truth is, is that our system is made up of, you know, nerve endings and synapses and processes. And so it, it, it the, the American businesses have learned that if our employees are well, if they're balanced and they have lower stress, our businesses do better. So, it, you know, it, it's, of course, that's what has to happen in America, right? But I think that, you know, if you think about the music industry and how taxing it can be, especially if you're a touring musician, if you're a touring musician and you don't have any kind of stress managing practice, that's <clears> going <throat> to catch up to you, uh, you know? And you see it happen with some people. Um, for me, what I'm using with, you know, a very, here's a couple of simple exercises you could do. You could take a candle and in the morning, you know, have a space in your house. That's kind of like your quiet space, wh wherever that is. And preferably, you know, don't, I mean, it, it could be like your office, but it's better if it's maybe away from where you do quote work, right? So you just have a space. It could be a windowsill. Maybe you have like your favorite picture of a beach or you have some picture of some person or something that makes you connect to something bigger than yourself, you know, whatever that is. You have this candle and you just light it and you can just look at it for three minutes and breathe. And that's it. Mm. And if you do that for 21 days, that's going to change your mind. That's going to shift certain patterns. So there's, you know, there's all sorts of different levels of it. Um, for those people that are songwriters out there, I'm sure they have some kind of practice. You know, what's happening to me which, right now, which is really interesting, <clears throat> having, having just come back from Ireland, 
I'm noticing my patterns because right now in my career, I teach uh, music. I teach music to K through five. So I'm just gearing up to, to want to do a new record. And I'm looking at the reality of I'm teaching. How do I create the creative space to make this record? How do I keep myself balanced teaching? How do I do everything, right? And not kind of just collapse. And, and I'm just, I just looked at the very simple reality that I hadn't been drinking enough water. Mm. That, a part, that my body was running on dehydration. And then when I'm dehydrated, I eat more. And then, you know, and so it's like this cycle. But by pulling myself out of my life and giving myself that retreat, it was, it's such a simple thing. And so like, here's the practical thing. I wake up now and I drink three tall pint glasses of water before I do anything else. Right. Mm. And that's just a basic thing, which, you know, maybe other people, I mean, you know, maybe I just have a lot of issues. (laughs) Maybe everybody else knows how to do all this stuff. I don't know. But for me, without the mindfulness and the meditation, I tend to fall into habits that I don't serve my work and serve what I'm actually trying to accomplish. No, I think you're so right. When we, when we remove ourselves, I mean, that's why I think retreats are important or vacation even. You know, we remove ourselves, we can see it so much more clearly from a long view versus yes. being in it, you know. Yes. And I've, I've definitely had a lot of different points of clarity for myself in that way. But I notice for myself, like I tend to be like the energizer bunny, like you know me, right? Like I'm just yeah. like, I'm going to do this, do, 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 do. And then one day I'm just done. Like I'm burnt out. And I can't like, if I think about doing that thing anymore, it makes me want to actually th- like physically be sick. Yeah. And so I've experienced this kind of burnout a couple of times in my career. And so I guess I'm wondering, I know you do something called energy healing. Is that, yes. you know, what can help when you get to that point? Absolutely. I mean, ideally, you don't want to get to the burnout. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I definitely <laughs> put some things in place so that doesn't happen again. Yeah. But I've yes. experienced it. And yeah. I know what it's like. And unfortunately for me, sometimes I don't have any warning signs. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, and, that, and that's an interesting meditation for you because my mm. guess is there are warning signs, but you're not fully conscious right. of them. Yeah. Right. And that's a part of your mechanism because, which is great. You know, that's a part of why you accomplish what you accomplish because there's some part of you that's saying, no, don't look at that because I got to get this stuff done. Right. And, and that's okay. And the better you get at, well, you know what, maybe I don't need to get that done. The better you get at balancing that, you know, you won't you won't have those burnouts. So you probably already have worked that out. Um, but yes, I do an energy healing called the rising star energy healing, and it can help you uh, release what no longer serves you and really bring you into alignment with your true self. And the thing that's so interesting about like, about this stuff, like mindfulness, meditation, energy healing. I always joke with people like clients that I have for a long time, you know, they come cause like they want their life to be better. Right. And sometimes it's like that Gloria Steinem quote, you know, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Mm. <laughs> right. <Yep>. So, <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you really step onto a path of you know, I am going to come into alignment with who I am in service of myself and of humanity. It's not always going to be easy, right? However, 
you're gonna, in my experience, I have much more, uh, I'm much more empowered. So, so when I do suffer, quote, suffer or have struggle, I am in a space of like, oh, how did I create this? Not why did this happen to me? Mm-hmm. It's, oh, look at what I created. What now? Right. So even you, as you talk about it, you're t- you take responsibility for your burnout. You know, you're like, oh, then I have a burnout. And then I have to deal with it. Right. Versus being in a victim mode of like, oh, why is this happening to me? And so if you're able to approach your music career as everything is here to enlighten me, nothing is here to hurt me. Hmm. That takes, that has a whole different vibration to it. And in a world where it's all about like, what am I going to get? What am I going to get for what I give? And, and an industry that's about what do I get? What do I get? Right. If you can start to see every experience as an opportunity for you to come into more of who you are, I think you begin to have more ease with it and more confidence and more joy. And then people want to be around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, well, they're like, what does she have? Like, what's she doing? You know, it's so like I spent all this time in my life trying to be the one that people wanted to see and stuff. And then when I just said, I almost just swore on your podcast. So <laughs> then when I just said, screw it, I'm going to just be myself. Who cares if I'm ever quote famous or, you know, who cares? I know I'm here to sing songs. I know I have a unique vibration to offer. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't care if I have money. I don't care if I'm famous. I know that this is what I'm here to do. That's when more opportunities started to come my way. (laughs) Well, let me ask you a question about that because I had the very same situation. And I felt like for me, it was just an age and maturity and experience thing. Uh You think it's possible for someone to come to that conclusion that they don't care if they're famous, they're just, you know, want to deliver what they believe is their, you know, purpose in life and music and all that at age 18. (laughs) Yeah, I do. You know, it's so interesting. I look at an artist like Ed Sheeran Mm. to me. I mean, I don't really know him, but I feel like that's an artist that is pretty wise as a young guy Mm. and he's pretty free and he's created an incredible amount of abundance for himself, you know, and then he had to take a break because he obviously started to kind of go down the wrong line. I do think it's possible. And I think it's more and more possible because I think there's more and more people who are willing to create space for integrity. And, and that may, people may not agree with me, but I think more and more integrity is coming to the music business and to the creative business And I think as more and more people like you do, this platform you give, this space you give for consciousness, for cooperation, for integrity, I think that hopefully, I mean, my hope is I want younger women and younger people in general to stay true to who they are and to have success early (laughs) so that they can keep doing it. Because, you know, that's my desire. I want people to be who they are and be successful. Yeah, and I think it's true that the internet has has exposed the BS of the industry. I know? think so. And it's allowed yeah. us to not have to pretend to be something that we're not, which I think is what got us caught up in the whole fame thing to begin with, at least me. Yeah, 
Well, yeah. And I, you know, and um, I do think that there is a certain level of maturity of, of, of growing up and, you know, my career now where it is, where my music is serving a certain niche as far as yoga and consciousness music. And on the one hand, I'm just a songwriter. That's what I've always been. But now I sing a song and somebody has an emotional transformation right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And so I think, huh, okay, well, this doesn't fit so well into like radio edit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So, so I have to create, I, I literally have to create and seek out venues and the, and the proper way to share my music. And I have to have confidence that, that I'm sharing something unique. And um, it's not always easy to be a pioneer, you know, no matter what you're doing. But I think all artists on a certain level have a pioneer quality to them. Now, what would you say to the skeptics who are kind of like, ah, this sounds a little woo-woo, I don't know about that. Um, You know, what, how can you explain to them really how important it is to have this awareness and consciousness? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, I would just invite them to look around at their world and look at how arguably mad certain parts of the world have gone. Mm. Um, And I think that we're living in a time, no matter what you do, to develop some kind of mindfulness practice, um, some kind of connection as a human to the idea that um, we are all interconnected and to be in alignment with some set of values that ring true to you could be one of the most powerful choices you make. Cause I do think being human on this earth at this time is going to become potentially more and more confusing. Um, and if you're able to be strong and confident and healthy not only is your music career going to probably be much more successful, but you're also going to be able to serve others and just have less suffering. Um, You know, a lot of humans, a lot of us are kind of addicted to suffering. I think that's a little bit of what's going on in our world. And maybe it's because we don't know anything else. We think that like, you know, you know, you grow up with this, you grow up with that, and that's just the way it is. But I think artists, you know, if they're listening to this podcast, they're, they're open to something new. So I would say, you know, why not try it? Why not seek out a meditation class or a mindfulness class or Google a book or check out a Deepak Chopra and just see? Um, science is getting closer and closer to showing us how we can literally balance and heal ourselves. And I think you'll see probably in not very long, we're going to have light therapy and sound therapy in hospitals. I think mm-hmm. we're probably headed to that. And so I think if you don't have a time in your day where you're able to sit still, put your phone down and let your mind soften and quiet down, you're going to begin to feel the effects of it. And, and if you don't deal with it 
in the mental, emotional, spiritual level, it will manifest physically. And a lot of physical illness that is manifest now in our lives, it could be prevented, I think. I see mindfulness and meditation as preventative healthcare, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. So I want to throw you a curveball near the end here. Um, I know that you had a really successful um, crowdfunding campaign. You were able to make your goal or exceed your goal. And how I know how stressful those can be, right? How did you maintain <laughs> mindfulness during that? And, <laughs> and you're like, you're probably like, um, <laughs> did I? No. I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, all you have to do is talk to my wife and you'll be like, mm. if you know, if you know the spouse of the person who's doing the Kickstarter, it's like a full family experience, you know? <laughs> it's true. You brace um, yourself for the three you months. That, yeah. You do. I was not, I was certainly mindful as best as I could be. Um, it is, it can be very stressful. It was also the first time I really took a leap. So I think that's the other thing is that a, a, a little amount of stress is good for us. You know, the idea is not that you have no stress because if you have stress, that means you're stretching yourself. Absolutely. You know? You're taking Absolutely. a risk. And so I did put into place some support mechanisms. So I worked for the first time I worked with somebody and I paid her out of my budget to help promote it for me and to market it for me. And that was really important because I didn't feel like I was alone in it. Like she and I were checking in and when I was freaking out, we could kind of talk about it. And I had some people, you know, in my back pocket that like, if it wasn't going to make it, they would pull in at the last minute. So I prepared, you know, I really, I really prepared for it and um, continued to trust. And I, and I looked to my community, you know, I kept reaching out to my community and I would run into people and be like, oh, we have a week left. And they'll be like, you got it. You got it. It's happening. It's happening. So like, I think that in a way, my consciousness was being reflected back to me. So in those moments where maybe I was like, oh my God, people in my life were like, Alicia, just trust. That's what you always tell us. You know? <laughs> Don't you love that when people put your own words and, oh yeah, I did say that, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it was a very hectic time, but it was exciting. It was, and there is kind of like an adrenaline rush when you mm. do those. And I love that you're asking me that question because I think I'm about to gear up for another one that's going to be much more substantial. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, what do you think you'll do differently this time? Um, well, one of the things that I'm looking to is I really want to take my whole recording process to another level. So I'm actually looking to record in a studio that's like at the, like, I don't know if you know the artist Snotum Carr, but she's kind of like the, the artist of spirit voyage records and mm. the vibration of her recordings is just incredible. So I'm like, I want to go to the place where the vibration is so high. And so that's going to involve potentially more money, more planning, but I feel ready for it and I feel excited about it. And so, so for me, it's about, wanting to take that recording process to another level as far as the people that are engineering it and mastering it and producing it, that they understand vibration in the same way I do. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's a really great, great goal. I mean, it fits perfectly with your mission and everything. So I think that, I think that'll be a great angle for yes. a crowdfunding campaign for sure. Well, that's what, and it'll be very exciting for people that have been following me for 10 years. I think if I, 
plan to go to the studio, they'll be as excited about it as I will be. And that's really the key to those those campaigns. People want to feel like they're a part of helping you go to the next level. And so if you don't know what that next level is, it's not going to work. You know, you have to really uh, be clear about what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been so awesome. I really appreciate you you bringing in this other angle that I don't talk about nearly as much on this show. As I said, I'm very practical, but I do definitely recognize that the mindfulness and the being still and all that in consciousness is so important to the underlying ability to do the practical stuff. So thank you so much for you know shedding some light on that. Can you let our listeners know how they can find you online? Uh, sure. Yeah, I have a website, aliciamathewson.com, M-A-T-H-E-W-S-O-N. You can find me there. Um, if you're interested specifically about the energy healing stuff, I have another website as well called Sounding Still Wellness. Uh, but either sites will find you. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those crazy platforms. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alicia. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Bree. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.